Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Welcome to the brave new work on the Other Side crossover miniseries. In these short episodes, we talk with Chase Chapman, builder of DAOs and host of the On the Other Side podcast about organizational design for Web3. On with the show. So on this episode, I'm very excited to talk about centralization. A little bit of context for this. I feel like there are a few different approaches to DAOs. One is decentralize everything. No points of centralization, just decentralize it all, very much maximizing for that. The other side that I've seen that very much feels like a response to that is DAOs don't really need to be decentralized. The reality is that we should centralize the shit out of them. Eventually, maybe we'll decentralize whatever. Like this is the approach and this is our sort of new way of thinking about these things. Of course, there's always like a third option, as you both say. But it's been really wild to watch that because it feels like We need a little bit more clarity on what centralization in decentralized organizations actually means. So I'm curious if this happens in traditional self-managing orgs. I don't know if that's an oxymoron, but in self-managing orgs that you've seen, is there this weird pendulum swing or is it, is it more upfront? Like, I don't know. I'm curious how you think about that. I love that phrase, traditional self-managing orgs. I wish that the world worked like that, and there were so many of them that we could consider them traditional. I think this pendulum and this continuum is always present. It is always a source of discussion and contention and ideation. And the question about how you decide what to centralize and what to decentralize is the one that matters most. What is the method by which we make these decisions? Are there principles? Are there heuristics? Are there ways that we decide? And what I've always come down to is there are things that can be centralized, and by doing so, you actually make things better for everyone. And there are things that when you centralize them, generally speaking, make you slower or more myopic, or you're bringing fewer perspectives to bear, or people are not able to to take the individual action and use the autonomy that they have. And it really does fall into two camps then. When you look at something, you're asking, if we centralize this, would we have an easier go of it in terms of achieving our purpose or not? And I'll give you a really good example. If we were thinking about how we're going to communicate, every DAO on the planet has probably selected one primary communication channel, and it's probably Discord, but if it's not, it's Telegram or whatever. And some of the ones that are the most miserable have more than one. (laughs) And they're like trying to manage comms across multiple channels. But choosing a place to have your comms graph 
is a very logical centralization decision because now it's like, all right, where do I look to find out what's going on to communicate with my colleagues? Here's the place. And if somebody was like, no, we're going to have 10 different chat products. We'll be on Slack and Discord and Telegram and Facebook. There's no way you could coordinate effectively. It would be a disaster. And the fact that that was decentralized would not help. By contrast, maybe something like where we each do our task management and how we keep track of what we're supposed to do there aren't a ton of advantages in a non-hierarchical system for having those all in one place. Because what are we doing? Are we checking in on each other? Are we assigning each other stuff? No. So the reality is that maybe having the tool that works best for each person would accelerate us and would move us faster towards our purpose. So maybe when someone says, let's centralize our task management, I'm saying, eh, I don't really see the benefit there. So I'm going to pass. And I think for each aspect of the OS, You're basically having that debate and deciding which side of the knife do you fall on and why, and then sensing and learning over time, is that actually true? What would you add to that, Rodney? I I think about centralization very similarly, just in terms of what purpose is it serving. And the downside of centralization is that it becomes a gate or a speed bump (laughs) or some kind of sludge that we don't want to navigate. And the upside of centralization is that it does things that let the people at the edge go faster. And so my first principle around centralization always, um, which goes to some of the examples Aaron gave, is if we were to centralize this, would we get some kind of efficiency that would make the collective because having every person apply for a different credit card rather than having one company card doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense in terms of our ability to uh, manage our expenses or for people to be able to spend money that they need to spend in service of our purpose. I, I look at it as like, is central Centralization clearing organizational debt or preventing organizational debt? Or is it creating organizational debt that the edges have to service? And that's effectively like my hot take on when it's helpful and when it's not. I'm so glad you said faster because I think that's probably where the traditional centralization argument falls down for me is it's about cheaper. Wouldn't it be cheaper if we put all of our lawyers in one department and got rid of half of them and then everybody had to go to them for legal work? Yes, it would be cheaper, but would it be faster than having a lawyer on every team? No. And so there's a little bit of dynamic tension there between efficiency as cost savings versus efficiency as actual effectiveness. The idea of organizational debt is also a framing that is interesting because when I think about centralization and decentralization in DAOs, there's the human element which I think matters a lot and is very much what you both are talking about. But then there's like security (laughs) and a lot of those things where Mm -hmm. a lot of people in a DAO have control over the flow of resources, especially the core team. So whether that's a treasury or the allocation of resources across the org from the treasury, like however it looks, we have seen instances of DAOs that are very much centralized from a treasury management perspective. And as a result, because the blockchain is the way that it is, it's not like, oh, Tim from accounting stole $100,000. It's like, fuck, this Anon stole $20 million and we can't change that. Like we can't get rid of it. And now they're dumping on everyone and no one's token is worth anything. So it feels like the framing of organizational debt applies there, which is 
Does someone stealing all of your treasury create organizational debt that's not worth you doing this point of centralization around? If yes, maybe don't centralize that. I don't know if that framing resonates with you guys or if there would be a better way to approach it. But to me, that's like, oh, yes, that does make sense when it comes to decentralization. Well, I mean, I certainly don't want to lose $20 million. I think (laughs) think, that would be good to avoid. I think risk is another perspective. I think speed, cost, and risk are probably the three horsemen of the centralization apocalypse. Which one is, is prime in this situation? And whether we'll centralize or decentralize being connected to that. So yeah, if it if there's an undue risk that's not safe to try, as we've talked about before when it comes to consent, like if it does irreparable harm to us to have something centralized or decentralized, maybe don't don't do that. Does it hurt when you do that? Don't do that. And then if some other issue around speed or around cost rises to the level of more important than that, then maybe that's the one. So it might be that there are a mix of principles at play here or a mix of variables. And you're looking as a system at, okay, for this choice about how we manage our treasury, what's the risk look like? What does the speed issue look like? What is the, you know, cost and and cost efficiency basis look like? And then have a discussion and figure out how we want to prioritize those things in the ultimate decision. And then even if you do decide to centralize or decentralize, you still get to choose how you do that. So which tools, which methods, is it, is it a wallet or a multi-sig wallet? There are all these things that would allow you to change the nature of that choice once you've made it. So I think that is the, that's probably the process if we were to write it up. Yeah, and the only like factor I would add is quality. So I think often the argument for centralization is if the decentralized team or whole organization can't afford a high quality of thing, and if they pooled resources with others, they could, that's a really interesting argument for centralization. Because what I can afford in a freelance designer on Fiverr versus what the ready can afford if every (laughs) single project team pools the money together because we want one great shared asset, that's a really different equation. Thank you for giving us four horsemen. That felt weird coming out when I first (laughs) said it. The other thing that feels like a factor here is I think often when we talk about centralization and decentralization in the DAO ecosystem, it's funny because you both are talking a lot about tooling and things like that, which hadn't even like occurred to me that that would be part of this question. Because a lot of the way that I think we tend to approach it in the DAO ecosystem is at a protocol level, how is power distributed. And I think tools are probably still a manifestation of that. But in a lot of ways, I think we tend to think about centralization and decentralization mostly as a uh, dynamic that's associated with power. And when I'm thinking about the ready, I'm like, okay, power is distributed by people who or two people who work at the ready. In DAOs, we get back to this weird question of, who is in a DAO? Because you have decentralization of decision-making and of different organizations within the DAO and all of that at a community level, but you also have it at like a circle, pod, working group level. And so we have all of these weird, honestly, we have a lot of baggage around what decentralization means based on what you consider the organism to be. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of where I'm seeing my brain go. 
It totally makes sense. And I I think what you're getting at is just like, it's just org design. Um, And and really when you're talking about various pods and power structures around them, like where my mind goes is just who has the right to constrain whom? And if there's some central body that has the authority to constrain the activity of other subordinate or sub or separate bodies, there better be a really good reason for that. And there are, there are good reasons, but it's not every reason. (laughs) There should be, you know, isolated reasons that some sort of central core leadership, steering, stewarding, whatever body can impose their authority. And for the most part, whatever the pod is and whatever they're up to from a contribution subject matter mission perspective, they should have as much authority over that as we can possibly stand. And that should be consented to, right? Like if you're going to centralize power, authority, whatever it may be, that should be done in a decentralized manner such that people agree, yes, we are going to do this. Exactly. And who gets to do that deciding and agreeing is based on the roles and the membranes and the structures that you already have in place. And if you don't have them in place, then that's kind of where you have to start. But it does seem to me that even when it comes to distributing power or power over the wallet, so to speak, you're still asking the same questions that that we've been talking about. What is it? What does it get us in terms of quality, risk, speed, cost to have fewer people with access to this versus more? And are there different expressions of that as well? So like at the ready, everybody has a credit card and the credit card effectively has no limit. But also we have a central treasury and not everybody has the login to that. That is, you know, that is a very narrow centralized authority. And and maybe that's not exactly right. Even we may rebalance that over time, but that's, that's been a way for us to kind of have our cake and eat it too, where nobody can drain the entire bank account. But also if you need to spend 10 grand one day and 50 grand the next day in service of the purpose, we trust each other to do that. So there's a, a weird hybrid thing going on. I love that because what it ultimately gets down to that I'm realizing is we don't often have conversations about the pros and cons of centralization versus decentralization because we often assume one or the other as sort of the default. Mm -hmm. But really, we need to be having open conversations, acknowledging the trade-offs for each and making decisions at each level. Which I, think I that's feel like exactly right. I think you want to start with one or the other as a default. It should be decentralization, obviously, and then have specific heuristics and principles for when to deviate from the default and centralize something. Always comes down to having principles and structures and things to figure. <laughs> it's shit wild. Out. It's wild be how that works. Deliberate. Be deliberate. Somehow it comes back to the same thing every time. That will be the single thing. From all these episodes, create (laughs) structures so that you can make decisions in a way that people have actually agreed to making in a deliberate way. Beautiful. That feels like a perfect place to wrap up this episode. Being deliberate about timing. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) That's another episode of Brave New Work on the Other Side in the Bag. There's more where that came from, so watch for new episode drops coming soon. 
And this special crossover edition is produced by The Ready in partnership with Chase Chapman and On the Other Side. You can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com or find all three of us on Twitter. As for you, thanks for listening. Now go Dow something. Thank you.